Hello, and welcome to Global Student Marketing, brought to you by IDP Connect. As education leaders, each show we bring you student recruitment and marketing insights from around the world. Today, we have a special episode for Canadian institutions featuring Ellie Butler, Marketing Manager with IDP Connect, and Mike Henniger, Senior Consultant for IDP Connect Canada and a leader in the international education space. Join Ellie and Mike as they discuss practical steps that Canadian institutions can take right now to ensure success. IDP Connect, experts by your side. Welcome everyone to this special edition of the Global Student Marketing Podcast by IDP Connect, giving you vital information on the field of international education. My name is Ellie Butler and I am Marketing Manager with IDP Connect. This episode is a very special edition for Canadian institutions. I'm pleased to be joined today by Mike Henninger, Senior Consultant for IDP Connect Canada, who just joined the team last month but is already having quite an impact. Mike brings two decades of experience in the university, vocational, and language training sectors, and he has helped institutions across the globe build their international student recruitment capabilities. So welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And today we're going to be discussing three things Canadian institutions should be doing right now to remain effective and successful throughout this global pandemic. These are practical tips that you can implement at your institution and discuss with your team. You may have already started some of these, but just need to take them a step further and understand how to make them work for you, or they might be completely new to you and your institution. So Mike, looking to your expertise in the international education space, what should Canadian institutions be focusing on right now to ensure success? Yeah, and this is such a timely topic. You know, I think when we we entered into this pandemic in in March and everyone was just scrambling about how they were going to handle things and and how they were going to proceed. And we found a lot of kind of stopgap measures to do our jobs um, and just deal with the emergency that we're facing. But as this is dragging on now, you know, uh, know, six months or so more, uh, people are really finding that this is the new normal and they have to do things differently and they have to have a long-term strategy on how they're doing things differently. And, and there's a lot of stress around there. So I think just in general, when I, I go through today, that the three points that I, that I want to touch on are, are one, communication. Uh, two is, is data and technology. And then the third one that I'll touch on at the, towards the end is just a little bit of the warm, fuzzy part about, you know, how we're dealing with this and, and, and mental and emotional well-being during this because people are struggling. So those are the three points that I'm going to touch on today. Fantastic. And you're exactly right that institutions need to be weaving these points into a long-term strategy because unfortunately, this situation is our new normal for the foreseeable future. So let's go ahead and jump right into point number one. You mentioned communication, which is critical. Yeah, so I I think, you know, as as policy changes, and I mean, the big news, obviously, in Canada from last week is is that students are going to be able to travel to Canada on from October 20th. And, um, and these policy changes have been happening very, very quickly. And I think as an as institutions and as a sector, we've really been struggling to keep up with with policy and, and to make sure that we're communicating effectively, timely, and correctly. But, you know, a lot of conversations I've had around this is that people are really, really struggling on this because 
they don't know whether it's at the institution level or the provincial level or the federal level of really what's coming down the pike. And, and so students have a lot of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty in the market from, from students, from agents, from our partners to see, you know, uh, what's going to happen next. And I think looking at how we communicate, we have to look at it a few different ways. I mean, obviously, there's the important COVID communications. And, and these are policy updates, time updates, refund, uh, deferral policies, all of those type of things. And, you know, what I've seen in this and, and speaking with, with different institutions and different educators is that the people that I feel are doing the best job in this are the people that have been more decisive. And, and sometimes they have to take risks and they have to say, you know, if it's a liberal deferral policy or a liberal refund policy. But the ones that have put that out there earlier seem to have connected much more effectively with students and, and with agents. And, and then students really know what they're going to get. So one on the policy policy side and, and laying out, you know, what uh, COVID communications are, just trying to be decisive and trying to really take a stand and say, this is what we're going to be doing and doing that hopefully from a student first perspective. The other thing around communication that we've seen is, is just that people that are communicating effectively right now are ones that are just putting out positive vibes. And it, it sounds funny, but we see, um, you know, other sectors and, and the big players, you know, companies such as Nike and, and you know, uh, maybe you guys have seen the Scotty's Tissue commercial where it's such an emotional commercial about how, you know, people are using tissues to cry during these, these tough times. But, you know, they're connecting with people and they're saying, look, this is a difficult time and, and people are stressed, it's uncertainty um, in, in the market, people are, are losing their jobs, the economy is tough, but we're connecting here, we're here for you. And I think education brands can take a lot from that as well. And by saying, like, look, we're here to support you and, and putting out um, positive um, content that really helps people deal with the situation. And, and I see people are moving a little bit away from that. There was a lot of that in, in March, April and May when this the, the pandemic really hit. But I feel that there's still a need for that. And, and when we break this down, it's really... That the institutions that are communicating very effectively are focusing on experience and, and conveying their experience. We know virtual tours of, of, of universities and colleges, those, those numbers have gone way up. People are looking at how can I experience this institution um, without actually visiting there to see what it's like. You know, virtual um, open houses, uh, virtual tours, um, you know, being able to meet one-on-one -on -one with counselors from, uh, or advisors from, from the institution. These things have become really, really popular and it's very important. I would also argue that they were best case practice before the pandemic and continue to be during and will also continue to be after. So focusing on how do you put that experience out there. Second kind of communication uh, bucket is is around content and and people putting out putting out free content and and allowing people to um, access some of their materials and and and, and uh, access academic materials before they really come to the institution. So leading out there with with podcasts such as we're doing today, webinars, uh, free masterclasses, all of these things have really resonated with students and agents as well. The third bucket is just simply entertainment. And, and I think, you know, I talked a little bit already about the stress and, and the importance of dealing that within our communication. And we see brands that are being very effective in, in putting up just entertainment and doing different things to, to engage our students and our partners to, to help them spend their time if they're quarantined at home, which many people still are. And the last point is just social engagement and, and, and involving people and saying, look, this is what we can do to work together. This is how we can improve things. And, and I think this really speaks to millennials, Gen Z, about, you know, they want to make a positive contribution to society. So, you know, again, to recap that, I think 
leading with communications, you know, obviously we have to have the policy piece, but really also leading with experience, putting out content that's, you know, uh, allows people to, to learn and, and pass the time and be engaged, using entertainment, and then just social engagement. All of these things have, have become very, very important in communication. And this is what international educators and Canadian institutions need to be thinking about. I find this point around entertainment really interesting. In education, we don't typically consider entertainment as a part of what we do. So could you give me an example of what you mean by this? I guess I relate it back to, you know, for years we've been talking about social media. I always use, um, you know, called the 70-20-10 rule. And I say that 70% of social media content should be entertainment. 20% should be updates about the institution and, and 10 should be collaborative in nature. And almost all institutions always reverse that. The vast majority of their content is, is informational in nature and the, and the minority is entertainment. But if you think about why we go to YouTube, why we go to Instagram, why we go to Facebook, these channels, we go for cat videos and we go for cute bunnies and we go for these type of things. Of course. And so entertainment is, yeah, I mean, you like cat videos, right? Ellie, I know. Absolutely. I know. We actually share those on our uh, team, <laughs> our team chat all the time. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, leading with some of that entertainment because there's nothing wrong with having a student like your brand and associate your brand with fun and a positive nature. So, I mean, I've seen institutions across Canada doing game nights where, where students can do a virtual game night. Um, they're doing cooking shows, they're offering free yoga classes, all of that fits into that entertainment kind of aspect and allowing people to engage with the brand in, in a positive way. And again, I, I mentioned this before, but this is, you know, some people were doing this um, during our, uh, you know, they're doing it during COVID, didn't think that you know, this was something that they would have done before, but really they see how it affected us. It's always been effective. These are always things that we should have been doing. So I think that's really important for us to keep in our toolbox moving forward. And you know, how one last point I would add to this, whether it's entertainment or with the other pieces, is, is I see schools now using their alumni and, and student ambassadors more effectively. Some schools were doing this before the pandemic, but really this is one practical takeaway is like, you know, everyone is so busy and, and um, during COVID and, and really seeing their jobs have changed and, and, and they're just trying to be reactionary, dealing with their inbox, dealing with questions. How can we engage our, our students, um, ambassadors and alumni to help engage and, and promote our brand? And, and many institutions are doing a good job of that. And I think that's really one takeaway is add students to in, into your planning for communications and, and giving ambassadors and alumni a platform to speak to, to potential students and agents. I think that's such a good point, Mike, around getting the balance right on social media and across all your communications, really. Making sure that you're not just giving those dry informational updates, but ensuring that you're engaging your audience, you have some personality, and coming across human and authentic. So excellent points. And moving forward to your second tip for Canadian institutions, data and technology. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one is no secret and, and, you know, speaking to people and this is, this is again, not, not a recent thing. We realize as international educators in, in Canada that, that we don't use data and technology, um, like we need to. And, and I think, you know, the push us not being able to travel, not being able to, to deal with students 
face-to-face has really pushed the need. And of course, we're all on Zoom uh, 23 hours a day now. But but really looking at, at how do we use data to capture the effectiveness of what we're doing. And, and you know, Ellie, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that I just joined IDP Connect as a senior consultant in, about a month ago. And really, that was the big draw for me coming in. I've always noticed that, you know, I've been saying we need to use data and technology more effectively, but there weren't a lot of products and there wasn't a lot of data available. And, and the fact, you know, the data and technology that, that IDP Connect um, affords to, to its partners and to its clients is something that was really, really interesting. And, and let me join in and and you know I'm speaking to institution after institution after institution that has basically zero um, to very limited use of, of any CRM and when I compare this to, to private the private sector and if you think of any you know client a uh, customer facing business that that's doing sales and, and has you know more than a million dollars of revenue in a year you're not going to find one out of a hundred that isn't using a CRM and it, there's colleges and universities and institutes and, and school boards all across Canada that do not have any effective use of CRM they have the student information system on, on one side and then basically it's an Excel spreadsheet and the work of a lot of hard, pe- hard work of a lot of people to put all of these things together. I just spoke to a CEO of a large CRM company in Canada and they recently did a, a secret shopper activity where they reached out to 70 institutions across Canada as a potential student. And this was within the last few months. And they just basically said an inquiry to that institution to say, uh, we'd like to attend your, attend your school. And of the 70, um, 29 institutions even replied to that secret shopper. So this is a student directly inquiring to an institution to say, I want to come study. And less than half of those institutions even responded. Unbelievable. And almost every, yeah, I mean it's unreal. Really, it's just it, it's just all you can do is shake your head, and 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 I think and it's such a missed opportunity for institutions. And and Ellie, the other things that I see is that almost in every stage of of the um, student journey, that we're putting the entire onus on the student to if the student emails us, hopefully, hopefully we will email back. But then if that student doesn't follow up on that email, very few of us are saying, "Hey, I haven't heard from you in two weeks." Um, you know where are you at with your decision to, to study abroad? And that's really the po- the power of a CRM and an automated marketing system is, is really making sure that the leakage on every step of the process from, you know, very top of your funnel of reaching out to students to all the way to when they enroll, you know, the communication and the right information is being shared on. And so, you know, there's a CRM, it's an automated marketing system that, that that's connected to it, you know, that is so important. And that's just on the technology front. On the data side, you know, we're just taking such a shotgun approach where institutions throw this wide recruitment net out globally and, and they hope that students come in when, when they bring that net back in, but there's huge holes in it. And the fact is they don't even know if they're throwing uh, the net in the right place. And, you know, I look for, uh, really look forward to this this webinar that we're going to be doing with CDIE. And um, I know we're going to speak a little bit more about it at the end of the session, Ellie, but where we're looking at, at provincial data and showing the student demand by province and by city for programs at a provincial level. And, and the data that we have with, you know, our 100 million um, visitors to our, our 40 websites are our, our connection you know 30 plus countries where we have physical physical locations 130 plus offices 
all of that data that shows specifically this is the demand and this is where students are looking for particular programs. Essentially in Canada, we're using one source of data and that's visa permit data, that's study permit data and saying, where do students obtain visas? Where are they being rejected? But we need to drill down deeper than that. We need to know where student demand is. We need to know how we're faring against our competitor set, how we're faring against other countries. And I, that's what really excites me about the data we have at, at IDP Connect. Um, is that we are able to really see beyond capacity, we can see where that demand is. So when you see where that demand is, you have effective technology such as CRM, marketing automation systems that can then follow up and making sure that, that not only are we throwing our net in the right place, but that we are really uh, providing this, the service, customer service, and the information those students need to help them make the decision and guiding them through that whole process. Exactly. And coming from the institution side myself, I worked at two institutions and I can totally relate to those folks out there who might not have a CRM in place yet. There's often very complicated RFP processes involved and year-long evaluations, and that's all before the lengthy implementation process even begins. So that brings me to my next question, which is when institutions implement technology, do they tend to see an immediate improvement or does it take some time until they really feel the impact? Well, that, that's a, the good question. And, and I want to answer, yes, as soon as they bring the technology on, their life changes and the sun comes out from behind the clouds and everything is just beautiful. Um, but that's, in fact, not really the case. And, and, you know, when I look at technology, I really look at it as an iceberg. And, and when you see an iceberg, and we all know the Titanic uh, uh, analogy and, and, and all of that, is that you just see the tip of the iceberg. And really, when people you know, adopt a technology, when they bring a technology on board, they get that, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. The full capacity and the full adoption and the full usage are all as that ice that's hidden under the water. So the other thing that I'm seeing is that, you know, when institutions bring on a technology, often they don't have a fully comprehensive plan and stakeholder buy-in to get a full adoption and get all the benefits that that technology has. And you know, I look at, at our IDP uh, Connect dashboards and, and what core members are able to access when they have our, our data, our, our demand analysis and our competitor tracker and all of these type of things. There's such powerful data. What we're going back now is working with our clients to make sure that they're getting the full usage of that because it's easy for them to just sign up and get that dashboard. But that information is so valuable and it can help them make strategic decisions on a day-to-day -day basis and shape where they're going. But we really need to often circle back with them and say, look, we see that you're not accessing this as frequently as you could be or you're not using this as effectively as you could be. And I think, you know, we work really hard with our clients to make sure they're getting the full use of our technology. But I think that's just kind of a, a microcosm of the bigger issue of technology adoption. So when you get it on board, that's just the first step is really you need to commit to that. You've invested the time, you've invested the resource. Don't take it as a half measure. Go those next steps and make sure that you're getting the full usage and that whole iceberg is part of your technology. And hopefully it's not a Titanic running into it, um, that in fact you're using it super effectively. And if you do, then it will obviously make that big difference for you. So I guess to summarize that, that long, <laughs> long answer to your question is, you know, it doesn't immediately impact if you don't really focus on the adoption and focus on the usage um, and, and have a strategy around that. Did that make sense? 
That makes perfect sense. And I have to give a shout out here to the IDP Connect IQ team who have been doing an incredible job of getting our institutional partners on board with our data and intelligence solutions. They've been assisting with both the implementation and adoption, providing trainings so that folks know how to dive into the data and use it to inform their strategies. Because as you said, Mike, the adoption piece is really key to making technology work. But jumping ahead to our third point, I know you mentioned this is the warm and fuzzy part. Yeah, it's the warm and fuzzy part. And it's also a very short one. And this is just, I think, a takeaway. I mean, you know, since I've you know, last two months, I've been speaking to international educators all across the country, every province, um, you know, all across the board, different sectors. And, you know, this the stress of COVID hasn't passed us. And this new reality, especially for recruiters of not being able to travel, but often being up all night doing uh, virtual fairs, having to follow up with students uh, during the day, having their regular family responsibilities during the day and their regular work responsibilities during the day. I'm seeing burnout already and, and people and just saying, look, I don't know how they're telling me, I don't know how sustainable this is. So I think my third takeaway is, for, for Canadian institutions is to really focus on our personal, emotional and, and mental health and, and making sure that we're supporting people, making sure that people are taking the time off that they need um, and making sure that that everyone is being supported in, in the way that they need. Because as I said, uh, you know, I, I'm having concerning conversations with people and they're just saying, oh, you know, I've been up the last four nights. And I think it's on us as a whole sector to come up with a long term sustainable model for how we do this. You mean, we all have been road warriors. Many of us have been road warriors. I've done the three week, four week trips to India, Africa, you know, 17 cities in, 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 you know, 24 days type of thing. And that's very, very tiring. But at the same time, you go there, you get over your jet lag, you know, you acclimatize, you travel with a great group of people, you know, you, you function during the day while well, here now people are doing often doing events at, at night and, and, you know, they're living a vampire lifestyle and that can be hard on us socially. So my third warm and fuzzy with like, Hey guys, we're doing an awesome job and, and we're making sure that Canada remains in the forefront of international student recruitment, but let's make sure that we take care of each other and take care of ourselves because um, this can be hard on our system. So I just, just wanted to end it with that warm, positive note and, and really to focus on, on taking care of us and, and making sure that, that we stay healthy during this. Yeah, it's so important, Mike. And I think people underestimate the significance of that social piece and staying connected to our colleagues and to people in the industry. I too was a road warrior and did the three-week trips to China. And you really bond with people on those trips. And now that so much travel has been cut, folks who are used to being on the road and used to attending in-person conferences are missing that really critical piece of their normal work routine. So I know the CBIE conference is coming up in mid-November and we're all attending. And I just really encourage people listening to attend, to keep that connection to the industry because not attending is really only going to set you back farther. And it's such a good way to stay on top of the latest developments in the sector, to network with attendees. And really, it's just good for self-care to know that we're all in this together and to connect with others who have been living under these same strange new circumstances. So, of course, to learn more about the CBIE conference and how you can register, you can visit cbie.ca. And with that, I think we will leave you to take these tips forward and implement them at your institution. I want to thank Mike for lending us his expertise for this podcast. Thank you so much, Mike. 
My pleasure. And we look forward to you joining us for the next episode of the Global Student Marketing Podcast. Until next time, take care.